Hey, Lighthouse Niagara family, this is Pastor Joel Sloss. I hope that the message you received today blesses you so, so much. Focus this entire year has been around uh, His love, in His love, being all that we can be for His glory. And as we end off this year, uh, especially these Wednesday nights and uh, this Christmas, these Christmas Wednesdays, uh, we've been looking through the Christmas story and uh, the glory that we would, uh, that we should give and offer to him. In 1 Corinthians one twenty nine, and I, I was listening to a, uh, a podcast or a, a video, um, and it was uh, an individual, uh, well-known YouTuber, I was saying, yeah, what motivates me is, is pride. When I'm, when I'm proud of accomplishment, to be proud of accomplishment. And uh, so that motivates me. When others are proud of me, that motivates me. And uh, uh, tonight, we'll see that uh, there, there needs to be another motivation. It says that no flesh should glory or boast in his presence. No flesh should glory or boast. Another word for that word glory is boast in his presence. But him of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and not just wisdom, but righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. We were bought by Jesus Christ. If we place our faith in him, there is a, he has bought us, and uh, that re- redemption, it redeems us, and it puts us into right standing with God. That is, as it is written, he who glories, once again, he who boasts, let him boast or glory in the Lord. And uh, that uh, Greek word um, is kauka homehi. Um, and it means, it's a, it's a verb. It's something that you do, we do, is boast. And uh, last week, I uh, started this series, uh, in this series, For His Glory, uh, had talked about the shift, that there would be a shift in what we boast in, that there would be a changing of what we depend on, what we would say, this is, this is my go-to, this is where I'm at, uh, this is what I boast in, and that there would be a shift off of whatever it is that we would glory in the Lord, that we would boast in the Lord. And... Uh, Tonight, I want to continue on some of the details of that shift. And uh, last time, we had just a number of, of things of, of different keys. Um, the shift from the object of our dependence off of whatever it may be or whomever it may be uh, to Jesus Christ. Let that shift go there. And uh, we had talked about keys to the shift taking place. If we're going to if we're going to uh, have that shift come about, one key is uh, in the definition of Lord. And uh, so we looked at that word, uh, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. What does it mean, Lord? Lord is the possessor and disposer of a thing. It's a, it's a title, not just given to one that would possess us or has bought us, but is also expressive of respect and reverence. We think of master 
or Lord, we are expressing there's someone that is above me and that I am yielded to, I'm surrendered to. And uh, this title is definitely, it's given to uh, God, uh, our, uh, to, to the Messiah, through, to Jesus Christ. Another key is the fact that the Holy Spirit will help us in making that shift. As we place Jesus as Lord, the Holy Spirit will help us to make that shift. Praise God for that. So it's not happening on our own. This is a supernatural thing that takes place as we surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is there to help us. The third key that we talked about last time was the direction of our glory. And uh, in the Christmas story, we have one of the things that we have happening is the angels coming. The angel coming, there's one, and then there's a whole heavenly host. The sky was filled with angels, and they were saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to, toward men. And uh, as I mentioned last time, for me, uh, I always focused on the, the goodwill towards men. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And the fact that God wants us to have peace and his will, his goodwill being done in our life. But I, I so often I missed, it wasn't until just this, in the last week, that I recognized if we want his will done in our lives, that he would receive all the glory. Glory to God in the highest. That he would be of, above all else. He is above all else. That we would make him above all else. And that glory would go to him. That there would be an exalting of him. And this, glory, this word glory, this shift from kao kahamehi, which is boasting, and that rather than boasting in ourselves, it shifts to this word doxa, which is to, uh, to glorify or that, that God would receive the glory. And it's, it, it goes from a boast to a thing of, uh, of, of worship, uh, of our view, of, of, of our estimation of who God is. And so these, these keys we talked about last time. Um, and tonight I want to continue on some of the details of the shift. And I'm going to take uh, some time um, with that tonight uh, as we carry on. And uh, before I do, I want to read just that part of after the angels had filled the night sky, these shepherds, which were the lowest of, of the, what should I say, uh, the, the, the class, the classes or the, uh, those of society, you know, the, the economically, soci socioeconomic status was the lowest to be a shepherd out. In, and these guys were stuck out in the middle of the night uh, watching, tending their, their flocks or these flocks. And that's who the angel came to and the angels, the, the night sky was filled with these angels. And they talked about going to see this babe, this baby that was wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger, that he was basically uh, uh, from God, 
and uh, a child, the child of God. And there was a response. And I just want to read what they, what they did. It said, uh, so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. So this, this feeding trough, it was, a manger is basically a feeding trough where they would put the food and the uh, animals, the cattle, whatever, uh, would eat out of that trough. And that's where uh, Mary lay Jesus. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. So they said, this is, this is God, or God uh, in the flesh, Emmanuel, uh, the son of God, the son of David. And uh, it says, and all who, those who heard it marvel at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned to their flocks. So there, there was this, uh, it'd be interesting to know who, who got stuck watching the flocks. So they said, oh, you know what? <laughs> They're on their own. I don't know. Uh, but maybe somebody got uh, left with the flock. It says, then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. And so there, it goes from this thing of, Kauka uh, homehi, of of boasting to this word of the glory of the Lord shone all around the doxa, the glory, the splendor of the Lord shone down on 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 them. And it was it was more than just the glory of of the the shepherds. It was the glory of the Lord that was shining on them. This and this word glory is doxa, and then it says that they returned glorifying and praising God. And we have this, this aspect of, of, of a changing to a, from a, a noun, a thing, to a verb, to glorify, glorifying. They were glorifying and praising God. And so there's this shift and these details. I want to go over the details of this shift. And even in the word, um, glorifying. Um, there is there is uh, this this def defining of that word, and it's interesting as you look at this word broken down. There's there's stages of this word and the meaning of this word in the in the Greek, and so I want to I want to go through. There's these four different stages um, of glorifying. And in this case, glorifying the Lord, which I, I want to go through. And the first part, and I'm going to take way more time on just this first part. And then the second, third, and fourth part will go a little bit more quickly. But I want to take a little bit more time on this. So glorifying, the process of glorifying and glorifying the Lord. The process of glorifying the Lord. You say, well, what kind of process is there? I just, you know, I, hey, Lord, I glorify you, right? Uh, but it's a little bit more than that. It's a little bit more than that. To glorify or glorifying the Lord truly from the heart starts with the thought 
your, your mind and your thinking. It starts with thinking. It starts with supposing. When you suppose something, it, it has this, this idea of an opinion that is formed as a, a result of consideration. So as you consider something, and as you evaluate it in your mind, there's this, these, this supposition that takes place of who God is. Who is God? So let me ask you tonight, what is your opinion? Or what are your thoughts? What is your, your view, your suppositions? Well, I suppose this is what, this is who God is to me. So tonight, I want to give I want to give you an uh, an opportunity. Uh, if as you've thought about this, perhaps, what is your view of God? Because we're talking about going from the glory of God shining around the shepherds to them getting to a place as they they heeded the word of the angels to go and and, and see this baby that was uh, in this stable of this, this manger. And they, as they left, they saw this baby. And with all that took place, it says they, they went, they were glorifying and praising God and making known the things that they had seen and heard. What got them to that place? And, and where are you at when it comes to your thoughts about God? So what is, what is your view of God? Right? Holy. Omnipresent. What does that mean? Omnipresent. He's there for you whenever you need. Wherever you are, He is there. Uh, loving. Holy. What else? Okay, so our, our, uh, the creator of everything. Uh, the reason that that we love, or maybe even can love, okay. What is your view of God? He He is love. Not only that we can love, He is He is love. All right. What else? Sorry. Is there a Father? There is a process to to God being our Father, but. As we, as we go through uh, this process, uh, there's a consideration, consideration of his son. And uh, depending on your consideration of, of that, uh, there is a shifting from God just being creator and out there to God being our father. It talks about this thing of being born, born of God. Yeah. Anybody else? Lord over everything. He's sovereign. What are what are some views? Sorry, yeah, go ahead. Our provider. What are some views out there uh, that that maybe the world has of God? Okay, so a nasty, nasty God. A figment of your imagination. 
a judge. It's interesting. Uh, we have to be careful of our view of God. We have to be careful that we don't make God into our, our own image, that we form who God is in which he is not. In fact, in Exodus 20, and if you read through this chapter, we, we read about the, the Ten Commandments that were given. And right off the top, uh, as God is speaking to Moses, and this is about, um, yeah, it would have been about uh, 3,400. So I, I got to make sure my, my uh, timing is right. Um, 3,400 years ago or so, if not, if not more. Um, but anyways, there's, uh, as God speaks to Moses, uh, he says, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You were in bondage and slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. There should be no other gods before me. Second, thing he says, you should not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. This aspect of, of making God an image of God. And we can make an image of God without making a, a fashioned uh, idol or any, it says not to have any other, other idols fashioned or not. Um, that we would not bow down or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. So this thing of, of making God into your own image. So uh, it goes on to say, uh, regarding these Ten Commandments, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. So an example of that is, it's and it's interesting, I heard this uh, the, other, the other day and I, I, I mentioned it. Uh, when it comes to a curse word or a name, when it comes to a name that is used in vain, uh, which name do you think is used in vain the most? So it's, God, oh my God, and I would say even even more so is more so is Jesus Christ, as a as a word or a name that's used in vain. And it says, uh, "You shall." It talks about not taking the name of the Lord your God in vain. To remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, to honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet uh, something that doesn't belong to you. Um, this thing of bearing false witness is basically lying. Has any, anybody lied out there? Has anybody taken something that doesn't belong to you? Stolen something, stolen time? How many of you have stolen time from you know, the company that you work for if you work for a company? Ah, I can stay another five minutes, you know? You know, a, a 
half an hour lunches becomes a 40-minute lunch. Stealing. How many of us stolen? You shall not commit adultery. Jesus said, uh, even if you look at lust with lust in your heart, you've, you've already committed adultery just by looking with lust. How, how many have been in that place at looking at, in lust at somebody else that is not your, your, your spouse or even before you're married? And this is, uh, I've only mentioned four or five of the, the Ten Commandments. So when we, we stand before God, we've all broken probably every single one of those commandments. So when we stand before God as, as, as judge, where do we, heaven or hell? Sorry? So if you're found guilty, tomorrow I'm going to court. Not for me, for somebody else. This person has done a lot of good things. He only did one really bad thing. It's going to cost him a good chunk of his life. So my question is this. With all the good that he's done, even giving his life to Christ and this one thing, I, know, I don't know where, where he was at at that point. Wasn't in a good place. The judge is going to mete out a, a, a sentence, a consequence. So if, if the individual, individual says, well, hey, I'm, I'm a really good person. I didn't mean to do that. So the judge says, oh, of course. How many good things did you do? Ah, okay, you're good. I'll let you off on this. So let me ask you again, if we stand before God on our own merits, where do we, where, where do we deserve to go? Hell. Every single person, we're just talking Ten Commandments. This moral law, we've, we've all broken it. And not just once, we've broken it at times, many times over. And so there is this thing of, well, here's an image of God. God's a loving God. God's a loving God, so, and he is. So he's going to let me off? So we've, the one passage says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The doxa of God fallen short. It says that the wages of sin is death. I'll tell you right now, I deserve death. I deserve my wage is death. And so we recognize we cannot make it on our own. Listen, every single person on this planet is in the same place and there is a way out. In Exodus 24, verse 12, it says, Then Lord, the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and, and be there, and I will give you tablets of stone and the law and the commandments which I have written, that you may teach them to teach the people. 
And so Moses went up, and he was up on that mountain, on Mount uh, uh, Sinai, for 40 days. The glory, the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of God, or the children of Israel. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud, and he went up into the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. He was up there. Now, I want to, obviously, I'm not going to leave you here. I'm not going to leave you hanging like this. But this thing of this view of God here is we recognize that God, God is a holy God. And you may say, well, that's Old Testament. It is Old Testament. But let's shift to the New Testament here. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles with you, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 from verse 1. And it's going to be talking about this. In fact, when... Because Moses was in the presence of God, and basically God wrote with his own hand, his own finger, on that stone, and those Ten Commandments, he wrote them out on these tablets of stone. And after these 40 days, as Moses came down from the mountain, there was actually a, a glowing of him. But he recognized as time progressed from one day to the next, he recognized that this, this glory that was on him was fading. And so he put this covering, this veil over himself so, so the people wouldn't see that the glory was fading. Okay. Just with that in your mind and this, this aspect of who God is... Um, it says uh, in verse 1, it says, do we begin again to commend ourselves? To say, hey, look at who I am. Or do we need, as some others, epistles or letters of com commendation or recommendation? I have people asking me constantly for letters of recommendation. And so I've, I've got letters of recommendation for different people. Uh, I had somebody this... I had to write this letter to the courts. And let me just, just let me just tell you. Uh, sometimes it takes me a long time, and with all the time I spent in in f fashioning this letter, it was not an easy letter to write. It took me five hours, and it, it just so happened that um, it was during the night. So I woke up at like two o'clock in the morning. I thought, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm not sleeping right now, so I'm, I'm going to start to fashion this letter, because I know i got to do it tomorrow morning. It has to go out. This was Tuesday, uh, Monday night to Tuesday morning. And, uh, yeah, five hours later, I finally finished the letter. It was 5 o'clock in the morning, or 7 o'clock in the morning when I finished this letter. A letter of recommendation, of commendation, and it, so uh, we can commend ourselves. Do we need, as other, some others, uh, letters of commendation or recommendation to you or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle. You are a letter written in our hearts, known and read by all men. So people, 
people that, that came, he's writing to the Corinthians, the church of Corinth, actual people that lived in that city of Corinth. You are our epistle, writ written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us. You are a letter of Christ that was ministered. We minister to you, written not with ink, not written by ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. So when Moses was before God, there was, letter, there was a letter or letters that were written on these tablets of stone, but here it's the Spirit of the living God that is writing on not tablets of stone, but tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart, our innermost being, and there's a writing on us by the Spirit of God. And we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency, or basically what we are uh, depending on and, and what we are sufficient in, is from God. It's not from anything we can do. It's from God, who also made us sufficient as men, ministers of the new covenant, this new testament, this new will, not of the letter that was written on stone, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. We know that the Old Testament... This, these, these Ten Commandments that were given, it wasn't only just ten. There was more than just the, te, uh, the Ten Commandments. There was 613 commandments in the Old Testament. And so this, this was the law. The law. And what, what is being said here, the law actually kills. Because we can't keep the law. There's consequences to the law. So how many of you have broken the law that we have in our society? I, I, I've used the, let me say speeding, the speeding ticket. Anybody get a speeding ticket? You've broken the law? Okay, it cost you. I had somebody had a speeding ticket. The speeding ticket was $800. And it was like, are you, wow, are you serious? Had, had gone through did not see that the sign had gone from 110 down to 80. And so was doing, well, I'm within the speed limit. I'm only doing 115, 117, 18, you know, within eight kilometers of the speed limit. Well, the speed limit was 80, had missed the sign. There's a whole group of them traveling together. They missed the sign. And of all the group that, that this individual was in, they were the ones. Uh, there was police sort of waving, going, you know, like this. And uh, they let them all go by, and then they just, they picked one, and it happened to be this person that I know, $800. The, this individual got a bit of a break. They got a $50 break. 50 $50. So rather than $800, the The law... The payment for breaking the law in the New Testament for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. 
the payment for us breaking the law is death. Now, this shift, because I, I, how many of you, how many of you have been impacted by, by a word or words spoken to you uh, when you, at any point in your life, how many of you have been impacted by words, positively or negatively? Okay, I think, I think every single person here, uh, you've been impacted by words. You're influenced by words, by that which we would believe to do or not do. And so we're impacted. We're impacted by words. These Ten Commandments, they're words. And we, if we don't heed them and we break them, the payment is separation. The thing is, all of us have been separated from God, and the payment for our sin is death. But I thank God that that same verse that says, for the wages of sin is death, also says that the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus or Christ Jesus our Lord. That we have a gift of God that is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay. I want to I go delve into, uh, into this uh, chapter a little bit more. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Continuing on from verse 7. But if the ministry of death, which is this Old Testament or the law, keeping the law. Because people will say, I'm not that bad. And God is God, a good God, and he loves me, so he's going to let me go. And so they've made an image of God in their own eyes. They break the second command by saying, well, God's going to let me go. So this word of, for the wages, the payment of sin is death, is part of this ministry of death, even though the law is really in itself good. Like, I'm, thank God for the law that says, thou shalt not murder. That's a good law to follow. Don't kill somebody else. Don't lie. Don't covet. Don't cheat on your, your spouse. These are all good things, to have no other gods before God. But if this ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? Just by Moses being in the presence of God and there is this glory, if that was the ministry of death in the law, you don't break these laws, okay, we're not going to break these laws. We're going to keep them. And so there is this glory and to the point where they could not even look at him because of the glory that was shining. So he covered up and he's probably, I don't know if he was looking in a, uh, in a mirror or something. He must have mirrors maybe back then or a reflection. And, they, and he recognized, oh, this glory is fading it was to the point where people couldn't even look at him because he was just shining so much. And so he covered it up with a veil. And it's comparing that to, if this was glorious, how much more will the ministry of the Spirit, we're talking about the Spirit of God, not be more glorious? 
much more glorious. For if the ministry of condemnation, or in other words, the law, had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. Now we know, Scripture says in, in the New Testament, it says, and as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. There's a judgment that comes the moment we die. And that judgment is immediate, and it is either we're with God or we're not with God. And it's according to where, what our opinion. We're talking right now on the things that we think, the things that we suppose, the things that we become, have opinion on. Man, we got to get this right. You can't just, well, you know what? I'm a good person. Oh, you're a really good person. You're going to make it. It doesn't matter how good you are. We're not going to make it by being good. We can't make it before a God that is so holy. So there's a judgment that's coming. But now the righteousness of, of God, this word righteousness has to do with to be as you ought to be before God. Now the righteousness, the, the state of being in the right place before God, apart from the law, not by keeping the law, is revealed, is being shown, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. This is Romans 3.21. Even the righteousness of God, you want to have the righteousness of God, through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. So if you want the righteousness of God apart from the law, it is through faith in Jesus Christ to every single person. It's available to them and, and on all who believe, if you will believe. So there's this thing of thinking. I have to think. I, I, I need to, to come to a conclusion. What is my opinion on Jesus Christ? Is he just a swear word? A name that I use in vain? Or somebody that is part of a certain religion? Of the two uh, largest religions on, this, on the face of the earth, to one of them, to the, to, to the Muslims and to Islam, they have Jesus' name in the Quran. The Quran. Koran. Koran, thank you. And so Jesus in the Koran is just the greatest prophet. I find it interesting. They, he's the greatest prophet and, and Muhammad. But Jesus is greater. He's the, if he's the greatest, he's even greater than Muhammad. But he's only a prophet. He is not the Son of God. They don't understand the, the thing of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. To them, he's just a messenger. If he died on the cross, he didn't raise again. Now, it is interesting. They also, also say to look in the, in the Bible, and especially in the Old Testament, and we can see even in the Old Testament, all, everything of the law and not being able to keep the law is pointing to this ministry 
of the Spirit of God, which is more glorious. So even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ is witnessed by the law and the prophets, and it is to all and on all who believe, and all who would suppose and believe and say, I'm going to consider this Jesus Christ, and I'm going to believe on, on him. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned, and we all fall short of the glory of God. And even as we examine ourselves, we say, yep, I've fallen short of the glory of God because I have sinned, even if just once. Being justified or being made right freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The fact that he redeemed us, he bought us. He bought us with his sacrifice. It says, whom God set forth as a propitiation. It's a big word to say, a sacrifice that was acceptable to, to God for us. Is a propitiation. It's an old English word. And the meaning of that is basically that his sacrifice was enough for us, was acceptable to God. So whom God set forth as a propitiation, by his blood, the blood of Jesus had to be spilled. And through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance or in his patience, God has passed over the sins of that were previously committed by us to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just. So he's, he's just in what he does and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ or in Jesus. So not just those that were before the cross looking to Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us on the cross, his blood shed for us, but us looking back 2,000 years later, looking back and saying, my faith is there. So the glory of this message and this ministry of the Spirit, the message being that it's in Jesus Christ that we can have righteousness. Now, you, you might say, how does this tie in with the pro in the process of glorifying the Lord? I'm trying to get you there. I'm, I'm, I'm still on this first point of, of glorifying the Lord. It needs to be in what you think of God and specifically of what you think on Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is pivotal, is foundational, is the only one that is able to take care of this issue of sin because we can't be good enough. Now, I was saying that the two largest uh, religious communities, one of them being Islam and the other one uh, being Christianity, they both have Jesus. And Jesus, for the Christian that would believe and have faith in Jesus and his sacrifice, gets to a place of being in, in uh, right before God, just before God, because he justifies us because of what we believe. This is powerful. Now, how great is Christ's sacrifice? This is New Testament as well. Hebrews 9.23, and it's talking about the Old Testament. 
For if what is passing away was glorious, this fading of the glory on Moses, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. This is what I believe. This is my conclusion as I, I ponder this thought of Jesus dying for me. What am I going to do with that? And as I believe there is the opportunity to have boldness of speech, I am saved because of what he did for me on the cross. He took all my sins upon himself. And the message is powerful. We read in First Corinthians, Romans 1 verse 16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first, the, the very religious, that had the Old Testament, the, old, the, the law, and also for the Greek, the, the intellectual of the day. For in it, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, this, this death on the cross is the power of God as we believe in who Jesus is and what he did for us when he went to the cross 2,000 years ago. Praise God. To glorify, we need to consider this. What do we do with this? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of God could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were blinded, for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. The Jews don't have the New Testament. They don't, they don't read the New Testament. The Jews, they only read the Old Testament. And their, their minds are blinded. And this veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. And even though Christ is, is being pointed towards in the, in the Old Testament, there's this veil that covers them. I, yesterday, I listened to, I don't know, anybody knows uh, Ben Shapiro? Okay, Ben Shapiro. He's Jewish, very intellectual and very Jewish. And I, I watched this, uh, this short clip or part of a clip with uh, a Christian pastor, apologist, I guess, William Lane Craig. Never, I don't know the man, but, uh, but anyways, uh, he was talking to Ben Shapiro. And when it came to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he just, it's not that important. This is, to me, this is just boring. I find this boring. Like there's this veil over his eyes that he doesn't consider. And in fact, if we don't consider Jesus, there's a veil over our eyes that, that people don't get. Well, so what's the big deal about Jesus Christ? What's the big deal about him dying on a cross? I don't get it. Don't talk to me about it. It's, it's, and so there's a veil over their eyes. It is only lifted off when they consider and say, I'm going to believe that. And then there's this veil that's taken right off their eyes and their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. This is 2 Corinthians 3.16. Now listen. Now the Lord is the Spirit, 
And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. If you want freedom in your life, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory or the doxa of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, from doxa to doxa, the glory of God on us, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. There's a change taking place in us because of Jesus Christ and because we grabbed the whole of Jesus Christ, the veil was taken off. And if we look now, so rather than having a veil, and we can't, I can't see anything, the veil is taken away and even if we look in a mirror, we see the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ shining from us because there's changes that are taking place in us because our faith is in Jesus Christ. We grab a hold. And so there's this supposing, this thinking that we need to do to glorify. So the second part of this verb, to glorify, glorifying, it starts, it, when we grab a hold of Jesus, when in, in our mind and our thinking, we grab a hold of this, the second part of this glorifying is to praise, to extol. You might say, what's the difference between, between praise and extolling? It's to praise enthusiastically. So you start to say, thank you, Lord, for what you did in my life. I thank you. I praise you. It, it means to magnify. Magnify is when you magnify something, you enlarge it. So there's an enlarging of who Jesus Christ is to you, to others. You want to magnify Jesus Christ. You want to celebrate Jesus there's an acknowledgement, there's an acknowledging. When you celebrate something, you come together. There's a, a social gathering or uh, an activity that takes place when you have a celebration. Let's have a celebration. Is now there's a gathering together, a coming together within the church, and there's an expression that takes place on our part in praising and glorifying. 1 Peter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And we begin to praise him. This is what, there's a change. There's a, there's a, a shift that is taking place and we begin to glorify him and it goes beyond that because the next part has to do with honoring. What is honor? Where, where, where is honor? What, what would you call honor when it comes to a characteristic? What is honor? Respect? Okay, of honor? But these characteristics, if you honor somebody, what is that? Is it an emotion? What is it? It's, a, it's an action? It's a, would you say? Somebody said something over here. It's an attitude. Honoring is an attitude. And so the, the thing is, for us to honor the Lord, it's an attitude that we have. That in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. 
that in all things. It says in 1 Peter 4, verse 10, it says, As each one has received a gift, everyone that had comes to the Lord and grabs a hold, it says, I'm going to believe in Jesus Christ. It says, as, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, a good manager of this bountiful, unmerited favor of God to you. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong all the glory, all the doxa, and all the dominion forever and ever. Amen. We serve God, or we serve for God's glory, that Jesus Christ would be glorified, even in the place of suffering for God's glory. And it continues on in 1 Peter 4. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial that which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, so this pastor I mentioned um, that got shot in the head. I don't know if he's is he alive or not. Don't know, but he's... In, is in critical condition. I haven't heard that he's not, but he was just talking about Jesus on the side of the street on a public sidewalk, and somebody came by and shot him in the head. And so, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. So when people revile you and they, they come against you for, for the name of Christ, just by using his name or speaking of him, or being a follower of his, and you're reproached, the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed. They blaspheme Jesus, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter, even in our suffering. In verse 19, it says, Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in, good do in doing good as to a faithful creator. I'm just, I'll wrap it up. The last part, not only is there a thing of thinking and supposing and, and, and grabbing a hold, not only is it of praise and extolling and magnifying and celebrating, not only is it an attitude of honor uh, that we hold on to this, this attitude of of honor to Jesus Christ. But the last thing is to make glorious, to adorn with luster, clothed with splendor. So when you glorify something, you impart glory to that thing. You render it excellence, excellent. You make it illustrious, renowned, renowned. This Jesus, I'm lifting him up. He is glorious. To cause the dignity and worth of some person or thing to become manifest and acknowledged. In other words, we share it with others. We share it with others. And it makes perfect sense that if we glory, let us glory in the Lord and let there be a glorifying of Jesus Christ. And this is what the shepherds did. In Luke 2 verse 20 it says, Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen 
and was, as, it was told, as it was told them, there was this glorifying of Jesus Christ. You might say, you know what, I, I'm not sure I, I can do that. Just think about what he did for you. Allow the Holy Spirit to help you. It says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, the Spirit of God upon you, and you shall be witnesses to spread the word of Jesus Christ to me in Jerusalem, Judea, the surrounding, in Samaria, even beyond that, and to the end of the earth. Here we are so far from Jerusalem and in time as well. We're 2,000 years after, and there is a glorifying of Jesus Christ. Can we stand together? I just want to thank you tonight for your, your patience. Let's just, uh, let's just pray. Lord, if there's anybody here tonight, Lord, that maybe they, they didn't consider you in the, in the equation of, of glorifying God, Maybe it was just a general thing. Maybe it was just a, an idea of, yeah, when I praise God, I, I'm glorifying him. And even it was just going through the motions. Ah, I'm just going through the motions. But, Lord, from within the heart, that there would be a glorifying of you. And, Lord, if there's anyone here that even as they would have heard tonight, just to say, you know, I, I, I didn't even really consider Jesus, that there would be a considering of Jesus Say, what? He's able to take care of my sins, all my sins. He took my sins upon himself. Lord, I pray there would be a confession of sin. Jesus, I'm a sinner. There would be a confession and believing on you. Jesus, you died for me. You were buried and you rose again in the third day. And Lord, that there would be allowance of you into their lives. Jesus, come into my life. Let me glorify you. Let me exalt you. Let me praise you. Let me honor you. Let me share of who you are with others. Lord, I pray, fill us with your spirit that we could be witnesses unto you wherever we may go of, of the fact that I will make it. Lord, we were found guilty otherwise. We are guilty. But Lord, even as we would be appointed to, to die one day, should you tarry, Lord, we know that we will be with you as our faith is in you. And so, Lord, I pray, let there be a, a, a receiving or acknowledging a, a, and a placing of faith in you, Jesus, for salvation. Lord, to, to be saved from our sins and to have life already on this side. Lord, as, as that word says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Lord, even as we would have faith on you, Lord, there is eternal life that comes. And I just pray now that there would be a believing on that, on, on you, Lord. And Lord, I pray that let it be sh shared at this time, this detail of glorifying you. Glory to God in the highest. Lord, it is at that point we begin to have peace on this side of heaven, on earth. And Lord, your will being accomplished in us and in our lives, and it is good. Lord, your will for us is so good. Abundance of life, fullness of life, vigor. Lord, 
Lord, and even in the difficult times, you are there for us. And I just pray, Lord, let this message go out at this time, glorifying you for all you've done and all that has been heard and seen that it would be declared. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, Lighthouse family. Thanks so much for tuning in to another one of our podcast sermons. I'm Pastor Joel Sloss. For more podcasts, media, and live stream services at lighthouseniagara.com, Sundays at 10 o'clock. God bless.